0: The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. My name is Isaac. I am the youth pastor here, so um, that's why I'm up here with the the thing strapped to my face. And so um, if I haven't talked to you... I'm looking through here if there is somebody that I haven't yet introduced myself to, Um, but if you just want to catch me after service, um, regardless of the degree of our acquaintance and you just want to talk to me about something, um, I really encourage you to do that, Uh, because I I love talking to you guys and uh, hearing about your life and what's going on, so please don't feel like, um, oh, he doesn't have time for me or something like that, I do, Um, I, I make time to hear um, what's going on in any one of your lives. I really want to hear about it. And so please let me know that, okay? Uh, Catch me after service. Catch me um, outside. Whatever you want to do. That's good. (laughs) shouldn't have done that. That was dumb. Doesn't matter. That was dumb. I know. I know. Um, (laughs) Okay, hey, we're going to jump into the... uh, That was so dumb. I can't believe... That's not a joke I would say. I can't believe I said that. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, Hey, we are... We're in a series right now called Identities Revealed, and I, I, I swear, I always tell Sarah um, like every week, um, man, this sermon, is just, this is probably the hardest sermon yet, uh, and she's like, yeah, you said that last week and the week before that, and so um, this week again is like, this one is so hard um, on me just in preparation and working through it and thinking through it in my own life. Um, this one is a challenging one, um, but I know... If I say that every single week, which I would, because it feels like that every single week when I'm preparing that sermon, it just weighs so heavy on me that I feel like that one is just weighed more heavy than any other one, and so um, that's no different this week. But this one really, it is challenging. It's it's extremely challenging. Um, I was talking to the leaders before uh, service tonight, and we just were all, you know, in our little huddle, you know, talking, pre-gaming, and uh, I was like, you know, this this is a challenging one because... it's it's challenging another side of what we, we've addressed in the past, you know, how um, we should be uh, loving and, and respectful about other people and, and their beliefs. And you know, you know should honor that and, and be gentle and, and um, not being like overbearing, right? And just uh, just domineering maybe with your faith or pushy with your faith. Um, we've talked about that, right? Um, how we should just be gracious and loving. And I want to keep the spirit um, of that because I believe that and I, I just hold true that that's what's said in the scripture, um, that you should just be gracious to somebody and knowing that they have a history um, and a past of just life experiences. That, um, uh, you have no idea what it has been. And it's really hard just to say, yeah, I can, I can relate to everything they've gone through. Um, because no one of us can relate to anyone else's individual experiences. And so we need to keep in mind when we're talking to people about our faith, about our um, beliefs, that they're coming from a whole different perspective, a different um, life experiences. And so to be gracious and loving. And I want to keep that spirit. But I'm also looking at the other side of that. Because, um, yes, while sometimes some might struggle with... Being domineering and overbearing and just in your face, some might struggle with that. Um, but I think a lot of us, maybe even the majority of us, struggle with not talking about your faith at all. And um, not presenting it at all or representing your faith at all. And so um, I'm actually going to address the other side. Um, not so much the don't get in their face, but um, say something, right? Uh, we're looking at the whole other side of that, um, And we're going to be doing it through the lens of identities revealed. If you guys remember this, every week I've been just kind of reminding you um, what this theme is. We've been going through the book of Mark. And in doing so, we're looking at Christ's identity and how that has a bearing on our identity. Whenever you look at um, he is Lord, that makes us servant, right? When he is big and he is almighty, he is amazing, that makes us small and dependent right? He's the Father, so we are the, uh, he, not like Trinity Father, but like, he is just um, big, and so we are small. He is powerful, and we are dependent, right? There's these different things. His identity has a bearing on our, our identity, um, but tonight, I'm actually going to talk about how maybe we adopt his identity, his identity. Um, and that's true. You think about Christ is holy, therefore in him we are holy, right? And so there's these other aspects where, um, because he's this, we are something else. There's also times where he is this, and so therefore we should also be this. Holy, um, living righteously, right? Um, And this one's hard and challenging because this is what I'm going to talk about. He is bold and rejected for it. So therefore we also should be bold and expect rejection for it. We should be bold about our faith, keeping in mind, remember, keeping in mind, not, I'm not saying be the person that's rude and domineering, finger in the face, believe what I believe. That's not what I'm saying. I'm staying away from, that's not what we believe. But to represent our faith unapologetically and say, you know what, this is what I believe and I'm going to stand firm on it, I'm going to say it because I believe it, and it's true, and I love you, and so I want to tell you it. Uh, I'm not telling it because I I think I'm better than you, or I'm looking down at you, but I'm saying it because I love you, and I think this message, you need to hear it because it's important. I need to hear it, so you need to hear it, right? We we both need to hear this, and so um, just being bold about our faith and then expecting to be rejected for it. I think uh, the Mormons actually do this really well. I should probably just cut that from the, from the sound. Of the, I'm going to edit that one out. <laughs> but if you think about it. Okay, look. Um, if you know anything about the Mormon faith, we, we've talked about that uh, in the past with uh, Sunday school. Uh, and they, they've really misunderstood the gospel. And so they need Jesus. They need um, to be saved. They need to have a saving relationship with God. But... Their passion for what they believe to go and to tell people and boldly proclaim what they think is true. We need some of that. We need we need some of what they have when it comes to that because I think so many of us um, shy in comparison to their just bold desire to proclaim the gospel and their resilience through just being rejected time and time again. I mean, you think about it. These are the guys that go like door to door, knocking. Hey, let me tell you about my faith. Faith, and the, the door just slams. I'm like, okay, next door, and they're like, doesn't even phase them. Some of us, I think, we we just go and say one thing about Jesus, and they're like, what'd you say? Nothing, nothing. I can't believe I, I'm never saying that again. You know, and it's just like we we, I think we we have something to learn from them when it comes to being bold, and expecting, and embracing being rejected when you are bold about your faith. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Christ was bold and rejected for it, and therefore I think we should embrace, we should follow our Lord and Savior in being bold and being ready to be rejected for it, cool? And so um, that's what we're going to look at uh, as we go through the book of Mark, we're in chapter 6 right now, and so uh, those of you who have your journals, we're going to go through the entire chapter 6, okay, and we're going to go quick, um, but not too quick but it's just a really long passage, and we're going to look at it all. So um, have your journals, and I'm going to tell you, uh, if you have a Bible that you're good to circle in, highlight, you know, whatever, um, I'll tell you some things to highlight, circle, and all that good stuff uh, if you're comfortable in doing that in your copy, okay? So let's get started. Um, Mark chapter 6, verse 1. It says, He, being Jesus, went away from there and came to his hometown, his hometown, okay? And his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach. So underline that. If you, if you can do that in your copy, underline that. He began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hand? Is not this the carpenter, the, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and, si- and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense At him. Circle that they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could not do mighty works there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. Yeah, just a few, you know, just healings here and there. It's nothing. Casual, Casual, yeah. Normal Tuesday. (laughs) Verse 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. Underline that. He started, he kept teaching. Verse 7. And he called the twelve, and he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money, in their belts. Okay, so he's sending them, just, just go out there. You don't need to bring anything, just go. But to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, circle that, and they will not listen to you, if they do not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. Underline that. They proclaimed that people should repent. That's what they went out doing. And they cast out many demons, and they anointed with oil many who were sick. And he healed them. And they healed them. Verse 14. King Herod heard of it, but Jesus' name had become known. Some said, John the Baptist has been, t- has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison. Circle that. Bound him in prison. For the sake of Herodias, his, brother's, uh, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying, underline that, for he had been saying, sorry, that's I promised the last one, to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. If you want to circle all that too, that's pretty crazy. She had a grudge against him for saying that and wanted to put him to death. But she could not. Verse 20, For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he he was greatly perplexed. Man, I'll get it out, I promise. And yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leaders of uh, the leading men of Galilee for when Herodias's daughter came in dancing she pleased Herod and his guests and the king said to the girl ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it to you and he vowed to her whatever you ask of me I will give you up to half of my kingdom and she went out and said to her mother for what should I ask and she said the head of John the Baptist and she came in immediately with haste and said to the king that's just a crazy mom can you just can you just imagine this this mom she's like mom dad said i can have anything for my birthday what should i ask the head of john the baptist and then that's crazy in itself right like you can, i just got to stop there like i just can't read that casually and just go to the next verse like she's like daughter go ask for the head of that man i don't know which one's crazier though her asking that or her like great idea and like just runs like and she didn't even like it just said she 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 came in immediately with haste to the king. Like she didn't even think, she didn't even blink. So I just had to stop and think about that. That's just crazy. But well, we can keep reading because I just got to keep going. She came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want, to give you, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. She added to it, on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. Immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. The girl gave it to her mother. this is crazy. Because this is real stuff. This isn't like fake. Like, that was a real head, like a human head on a platter, given to a little girl. Here, give this to mommy. So, just, I'm picturing this. This is crazy. When his disciples heard of it, they came, that is John's disciples heard of it. They came and they took his body and they laid it in the tomb. Verse 30 is actually where we're going to stop, okay? Verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus, and they told him all that they had done and taught. You're like, oh, wow, I forgot. The disciples. Yeah, we were talking about John for so long. The disciples, they were sent out to do something. So that's the passage. See that? I'm out of breath. We went through it, um, but in the time that we have, this is a short uh, teaching. I'm going to try to make it short, but I think the impact is really challenging to us to be bold in our faith, to be bold and vocal about what we believe, and to expect rejection when we do it. So as I'm going to be diving in here, just looking at the the passage, um, I want to encourage you guys to really think about it yourself. Um, How well am I representing my faith? How how, how vocal am I being with my faith? And um, am I doing it to the extent of expecting for somebody to shame me or to reject me, to laugh at me, to humiliate me because of that faith? Or am I shying away because I don't want that to happen? Because Because I don't want social rejection, so I'm willing to shy away about being vocal about my faith. Okay, that's the question that I want you all to ask yourselves, and I've been wrestling with all week. Am I putting social acceptance over my desire to be a part of sharing the gospel of Jesus? Am I putting that to a higher importance? That's the question, okay? Um, but I think Jesus really modeled this being bold and willing to be rejected for. I think Jesus modeled it amazingly. Uh, if you just go to this passage in Mark chapter 6, verse 1, uh, He is rejected by people in his own hometown. And it's crazy that he's rejected, not only because they're from his hometown, but because, I mean, if we just remember everything he's done in the past few chapters, wasn't it him who who had power over the storm? Wasn't it him who cast out, I don't know, how many demons out of a man? Wasn't it him in, in, in the next chapter, chapter five, he healed a person and then he raised a person from the dead, Okay, this is is the Jesus that we now get to Mark chapter 6, verse 1. He goes to the hometown of people that he's grown up with and he's known all his life thus far and they reject him. That's crazy to me. he's, He's rejected the man that's done all those amazing things and they like shame him out of the city. So Jesus is rejected. Why? Well, we see that he began to teach in the synagogues and Apparently they took offense to what he was saying. He was saying things so confrontationally. Um, He was saying what needed to be said. I think a lot of times the message that we need to preach is the message that nobody wants to hear, right? Because that's, they haven't heard it, so they need to hear it, right? The the message that needs to be heard is, a lot of the time, the message that nobody wants to hear. So he was saying it. He was willing to just be bold and say, guys, this is what you need to hear. This is what you're needing. And they took offense to it. And, And... them taking offense to it, they rejected him. How did they reject him? Well, we know that they, they asked, to us, we wouldn't really think much of this, okay? Um, but let's think, like, 2,000 years ago, culture, um, they said, is this not, and they were trying to say, like, is this not so-and-so? And they called him the son of Mary, and I know, um, represent, I love my mom, and, uh, you know, there's great moms out there, but in this culture back then, being known as the man that was the son of this woman... Um, it, it didn't give you this whole elite status, okay? Uh, men were always known as the son of Thaddeus, you know, or like the the dad. They, they were always named after the dad. This is not the son of Joseph, is that what they, they should have been asking? Um, to give him respect in this time. But actually, uh, them saying, is this not the son of Mary, Um, was actually really disrespectful in this time. We wouldn't really catch that. We would just be like, yeah, he is the son of Mary, yeah. Um, And yeah, go, go women, right? But um, in this time, they they actually did not acknowledge that. They said, is this not the son of Mary? That was actually um, dishonorable to him. Uh, And we actually see in the next few verses, verse four through seven, he says, you know what, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own hometown. And uh, he actually ended up leaving, but whenever he left, he kept teaching, most likely confrontational, pointed, things that people needed to hear. So he was bold, he was willing to be bold, and because of that, he was rejected for it. He was shamed, humiliated out of his own hometown. Could you just imagine the people that you've known all your life, you've grown up with? This isn't like just Springfield, where you just go into Walmart, and it's a new person that you meet um, every time at the cash register. This is like a hometown, small group of people, always know each other, and they shame him out, they reject him because he was so bold about what he was saying. The people that he knew most rejected him, shamed him, humiliated him, because he was bold and willing to stand up for what he knew was the truth. So that's our model. That's Jesus, our Lord, our King, modeling boldness to the point of being rejected for it. And he expects our, his disciples to do the same, us. And this is biblical. If you, if you think about it, I mean, um, Maybe some of you guys have heard uh, the passage, right, take up your own cross and follow me. Uh, This is a quote from Jesus uh, in Luke chapter 9 and other parts, uh, different books, but um, Luke chapter 9 says, that he says, take up your cross, if you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Um, Meaning, if you're willing to follow me, you're you're willing to go to to the grave with me, you're willing to die for me, you're willing to be persecuted to the point of uh, being a martyr, being killed for me. And though most of us hopefully would be willing to do that, you know, in the heat of the moment, like, yeah, I think I'm... I think I'd take a bullet for it, you know. Like I'd be willing to die for my faith for Jesus. Um, really, the reality of it is, many of us that doesn't apply to us, right? A lot of times that doesn't apply to us because most of us won't die for our faith here in America. If You're staying here in the states. If you're not going on the missions field overseas, you probably aren't going to die for Christianity. But that's not the only expectation that Jesus puts. In the New Testament, on as believers, if you read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 13, it says, Jesus also suffered outside the gate so that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. Let us then, that is, his people, his disciples, let us, us then go to him outside the camp, bearing his disgrace. So, a little bit of context, historical context. This was, in the time um, of Jesus, the normal practice. When somebody was unclean, earmuffs guys, when girls had periods, um, you became unclean and you had to leave, go outside of the city gates um, to be outside of normal civilization, right? Because you were unclean, you were um, unpure because of that. And so if you did anything wrong uh, and you became impure and unclean for like, say, maybe seven days or 12 days, whatever it is, um, you had to go outside the gates, outside the city walls until you were clean again and you could come back in. So the author of Hebrews here said Jesus had suffered outside the gate. He was shamed and he was pushed outside of social acceptance um, for our sake. He was willing to be shamed, put on a cross so people could laugh at him and point at him. And he was willing to do that because of us. And so the author of Hebrews says, let us then go outside there with him. Let's go out there with him. We're going to stand by him on the cross being laughed at and humiliated because we stand with him and not with the city if that means social acceptance over Jesus. I'm going to step outside the city walls into disgrace and rejection, humiliation if that means standing by my Lord and Savior. That does apply to us. Death might not, dying for your faith. If it does, I pray you would, I pray I would be able to do that. But social humiliation is a very, very real possibility for us. And it's expected of us to do that for Jesus. To stand outside, social acceptance, to say, you know what? I choose disgrace. I choose humiliation because he is so much greater. So I'm gonna step outside and do that. That's expected for his disciples. So, back to the story of Mark. I'm trucking, I promise, I'm going. Um, So, He just was humiliated in Nazareth, his hometown. He was sent out. They were shamed him. And so what's the first thing he does? The next verse. You can yell it out if you know it. What's the next thing that the story goes to? He gets the disciples together and they're like, hey, guys, you need to go out and what? He says to go and proclaim that people should repent. He says, look, you all need to get together. Go by two by two. Don't bring anything with you. And I need you to go and proclaim proclaim that people should repent. Man, that's an awkward conversation to have with people, right? Like, hey, uh, right here, like, quick one-on-one, you know. You need to repent, brother. <laughs> that's never fun, okay? This isn't good, um, but it's it needs to happen. And so he says, go and be bold and say what needs to be said. It's always awkward. I remember whenever I was... Uh, at my brother in law's wedding with Sarah. Sarah was a, a bridesmaid, and I was just sitting there in the audience, and um, I was sitting there talking with uh, the pastoral staff of my old church. And I was just, you know, catching up with them and everything. And because, uh, you know, I grew up going into that church, and so all these, these pastors on staff, they all knew me. And so I was just, you know, catching up with them. And one of them comes up to me, Nathan, uh, God bless him, he's amazing. Uh, he comes up, he's like, hey, Isaac, you got, you, and so he just kind of turned me away from everybody else. And I'm like, yeah, what's going on? He goes, your zipper. I'm like, what? You know, zipper. And so, like, I'm like, oh. And so, this is at that point. What do you do? Like, you just kind of turn around to like where the, like the scenic view, and you're like, wow, look at look at that. And you're like, and like, oh. And then back to conversation. And so, like, we're not talking that kind of like tell somebody what you know what they don't want to have to hear. Um, I'm not talking that. Okay, that's like just telling somebody like, hey, you know, I know this is awkward, but I kind of have to tell you this. Uh, your zipper's down. Um, okay, this isn't what I'm talking about. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying the disciples, Jesus said, go out and be bold. Tell somebody they need to repent from the lifestyle that they're living, the choices that they're making. Turn away from that because they aren't living right. This is telling somebody that they need to repent. This is hard. It's being bold, saying, I love you so much because I believe that you can have so much better of a life than this lifestyle that you're choosing here. I know this sounds like I'm elitist and I'm looking over you and I'm looking down at you and I know that's what it sounds like, but I'm just trying to tell you that this lifestyle with Jesus, that he would be your Lord and Savior, that he would love you so much greater than whatever you think that you're being, this love that you're receiving here, it's nothing in comparison to him, but to choose him means to not choose that lifestyle. And so he's saying, I want you to be bold enough to go and proclaim to those people there's something greater to have and to repent from the lifestyle that you're living right now. This is what he called them to do. But he also said, while he said that to his disciples, and he expected his disciples disciples to go out and do that, he warned them, and if any place will not receive you, because he's like, I know it's gonna happen. Look, guys, if I just told you what happened in Nazareth, he knew it was gonna happen to him. So Go out, proclaim to people that they should repent because this is being bold. This is what they need to hear. But if somebody won't receive you and if they will not listen to you, listen to the words that you have to say, the things that they need to hear but they don't want to, just expect that. Expect to be rejected, to not listen to, to be turned down. And then it doesn't just jump straight into saying, okay, and they came back and they told Jesus uh, how their trip went. Like it, didn't, it just doesn't go straight to that. That's verse 30. We're at verse 12 right here, Okay. I was about to say, and so we've got fourteen verses. Like I'm not good at math, but however many verses until verse thirty, and what's that? What's that little portion? It just just like stops the story of the disciples. It was saying the disciples, uh, they they went, so they went and proclaimed the gospel, and then boom, it just stops at verse thirteen, and it jumps into this story about Herod and John the Baptist. And then in verse thirty, it says. And then all the disciples, they came back to Jesus and they told him how their trip went. Well, I think the author, the author of Mark, Mark himself, I think he is trying to tell us here, this is an example of what it looks like to go out and proclaim that somebody should repent. This is what it looks like when you go and take that journey. Okay, so just think with me, big scope of this portion of scripture here. Mark says, and so Jesus told his disciples to go out and preach to people that they should repent and turn away from their wicked ways. Next portion. John the Baptist goes and tells Herod that he shouldn't have married this woman. John gets his head cut off. The disciples came back and they told Jesus all how their trip went. This was, I think this was intentional. This is what Mark wanted to do. This is what he was trying to tell us because he was saying when Jesus said, go my disciples and go proclaim the gospel to people that they might just reject you for it. Be ready for that, but be bold about it. Let me give you a little example. John. And that's what he does. He gives us the example of John the Baptist. He goes to Herod. In this story we have that in these, I don't remember if he said 16 verses, however many verses uh, from 13 to 30, uh, 17, I don't know. And so in those verses, it says John the Baptist went to Herod and Herod imprisoned him because John said, hey, look, man, you should not have married Herodias. And I know it makes it really complicated because it's Herod and Herodias. Like, oh, why do they have to make it so close to each other? But so Herod... Married his brother's wife after his brother died. Uh, he married Herodias, and John said you shouldn't have married her, man. And so Herodias got angry. She held a grudge against John for that. Like, don't tell me that he can't. Don't tell him that he can't marry me. And so she's like, you're causing problems for me. And so she has Herod throw him in prison. And then eventually, when she gets the chance, she wants his head cut off because he called out their choices and said you shouldn't have done this. He said what was awkward, what was bold, and what needed to be said. And then in verse 30 it goes and says the disciples came back to Jesus and told him how their trip went. So this whole thing I think is really just telling us that Jesus models it. He, he shows us. He, he gives us an example of this is what it looks like to be bold and to proclaim and to teach what needs to be taught. And then I'm rejected for it, so my disciples should follow in the same way. They should be bold, and they should go out and proclaim and be ready to be rejected for it. And let me give you a little example of John the disciple, John the Baptist, who was willing to do that, and he was killed for it, not just humiliated, not just socially rejected, but he was killed for it. So that was the short teaching out of Mark chapter 6. But before we jump into the song, the songs tonight, and just response time, I really want us to think and meditate on this. Because, how many of us really need to hear that we should be more bold about our faith? How confrontational is the gospel that we're preaching to our friends? And I'm not trying to say, again, I've already said, like, I'm not trying to say, like, be domineering, be like, like, you need to listen to me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, are we at least laying out our faith and, and being honest about it and standing up for what we believe? Just saying, this is so much greater to live for Jesus that you would understand, that you would just live for him with all your heart rather than this choice. I'm not trying to just judge and, and, and decide your lifestyle for you. I'm not doing that. I'm just trying to say that you need to consider the severity of the sin that you're living in and that you really need to just consider the greatness of Jesus. That's all I'm trying to do. I just want to be bold and just put it out there. I want to love you and be gracious, but I want you to know that you need to hear that Jesus loves you and that what you're doing is wrong. Are we willing to say that? Are we willing to say that? You know, I think that social acceptance is a puny God. If you think about what is a God, you're willing to live for it, and you're dependent upon it, social acceptance is a puny God. Social acceptance is a puny, puny God. Being included, it's not a very dependable God, because the next day you might not be included. But God is an amazing God. Jesus is an amazing God that you can live for and you can depend on and you can trust in, that he will always be there Social acceptance is a puny God, but so many times we choose social acceptance and we're willing to set aside our proclamation of Jesus because we want this. I don't, I don't want to be rejected. And so in the next 15 minutes, whatever time we have, I want you just to spend some time thinking, You know, how, how bold am I How much am I just proclaiming Jesus because I love Jesus and I want Him to be proclaimed to people? I want people to know Him and to choose Him. Am I being bold? Am I saying what's awkward, what's hard to say? Because I love people and I want people to know it. Am I willing to do that to the point of being rejected and socially humiliated for it? Or am I choosing to be more reserved for comfortability's sake? So just think on that. I'm going to pray and we can we can begin to spread out. Um, actually, if you guys want to spread out now, you guys can stand up and you can uh, start moving around the room if you want. We're going to have prayer leaders up here uh, in the front. So we'll have Ricky over to this side to your left and Hannah to your right. And uh, so if you want to talk with anybody about anything. Um, pray with them. Please feel free. But this time, um, I want to every once in a while just put it in your ear why we have this time. This time is where we can just get alone with God. If you need to, get in a little group with people or go pray with one individual. But this is a time where we can just meditate on uh, the word that we just heard and just pray to God and just think about how can I draw closer to you from hearing this? How, what can I work on? What can I change? How can I see you more in my life? And so this is just music we'll be playing, there's no spotlight, no person to look at, no uh, nothing. It's just you alone time with God. That's, that's what this time is for. And so um, take advantage of that. I know it's really easy sometimes just to uh, zone out, wait for the time to be over. But take advantage of this time. Take advantage of this time. Just think about how can I draw closer to God? How can I be more bold? Am I being bold? Why am I not being bold It's because I'm scared of social rejection, just thinking about all that and just saying, God, I want to choose you. I don't want to choose social acceptance. I want to choose you. Help me to do that. So let me pray and we will jump right into it. God, I just pray that in the next few minutes, in the time that we have together remaining, would you just put a burden in our hearts, Lord? Would you just Would you just put a fire in us, God, that we would just want to just proclaim your name, proclaim the greatness of who you are over anything else, any desire that we might want to be accepted or liked. God, that we would put all that to the side and we we would be willing to say, you know what, I am willing to be disliked if it means telling people about you. I'm willing to be Reject it if it means being closer to you. So God, would that just be the cry of our hearts, the, the burden in our hearts that we would live that out more as you've called us to do to follow the example of the disciples, to follow your example, God. Would you just put that in our hearts? Would we just want that so badly? And would that just impact how we live in the coming days? It's your name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, invite you to join us on wednesday nights for more information visit etchurch.org thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon